All right, so we're back. Another episode here, and we got another cold open for you. What? Right. Oh, uh, we're talking Chariots of Fire tonight, a film about great conviction. And uh, we thought we'd talk about uh, some of our favorite moments where characters have shown strong conviction in films. Who would like to go first? I'll go first because I only have two, and I'm going to steal both of these from both of your lists. <laughs> You're probably not going to steal mine because mine is weird. That's okay. Fair enough. Myself. We'll see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, number one, and both of these are like super obvious. So, number one, Atticus Finch. Just, yeah. Atticus Finch. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, yes. Um, you know, a man of integrity. One of the, I don't know, first, but probably one of the most popular white saviors <laughs> um my second one is another white savior juror number eight from 12 angry men yes. very good yeah yeah but yeah i mean guys who just stood up for what they believe despite what everyone else thought about them and even at the potential risk of their own families yeah so, those are the two i got nice yeah. You know, I always think of Atticus Finch, but I um, I mentioned him on a, probably multiple other cold open topics. So I was like, I'm not going to bring him up personally, but I'm glad, you know, you did. Um, <laughs> I've got a few random ones here, um, but also a couple serious ones. I uh, A film that I watched earlier because of this podcast for the first time, it's not, he's not an honorable character, but... Ernst Janning from Judgment in Nuremberg, played by Burt Lancaster. Mm-hmm. His decision to stand up against his fellow Germans and say, yes, I did this bad shit against the Jewish people um, at the risk of, you know, his own personal freedom, going to prison, and all his uh, colleagues, in the right word, but his fellow general leaders of the German government are like, fuck you, you turned your back against us. Doesn't make him a hero, but he did stand up with his own personal integrity. Right. Um, see, Jack Ryan in Clear and Present Danger. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I also say, kind of randomly, but I, I, I have a soft spot for the movie Aaron Brockovich and that guy, uh, Charles Embry, who gives her the paperwork that he'd saved from PG&E that he didn't destroy that showed that they knew about the the chemicals and shit in the water and yeah. yeah. Final two, I'm going to say I'll kind of just give a wink and a nod to Indiana Jones for standing up for things that should be in the museum. And, uh, Travis Bickle, uh, for standing up against child prostitution. And he, he, he did that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's something he did. <laughs> so those are mine. I mean, he kind of backed off on shooting senators though, but yeah, or no, uh, presidential, Oh, yeah, potentials. Yeah. So, I mean, so uh, Paul, what do you got here? <laughs> Men in the World Series. Um, sorry, I, I was looking over at my, uh, I was looking over at my DVD shelf and trying to uh, conjure up other ideas other than the two that I have in my head. Um, but I think I'll just stick with the two I have in my head. Okay. Um, the first one is uh. Again, not con- not particularly an honorable decision, but uh, Vito Corleone and the first Godfather sticking up for his convictions and trying to keep drugs out of the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 
Very good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it ends up getting him almost murdered. Tried to uh, mark him. Yep. And uh, my other one is kind of a chosen one narrative, and he is the chosen one of this story. It's uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when uh, Neville Longbottom stands up to Harry and Hermione and Ron when they're trying to sneak out at night and just sticks to his convictions. Hell yeah. And then they petrify him. They petrify the chosen one. <laughs> Those bastards. Bastards. I always love seeing that meme that's like, so what if Harry Potter was aborted? <laughs> Neville Longbottom would have been the chosen one. Like, so what? <laughs> I love how much in the fifth one they they kind of put that seed of doubt in there for a little bit. Like, <laughs> could it be Neville? <laughs> yes, it's Neville. Neville's the best. <laughs> Absolutely, indeed. Uh, but the, saying Neville, I, I feel like I have to back that up with uh, "fuck J.K. Rowling." Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, turf twat. I think we need to make that a thing just call them all turf twats turf twats that's good give a small wink and a nod to next week but I won't say any more than that Uh, apparently what's her name that did the uh, handmaid's tale is turfino oh no is it Margaret Atwood how does that make any fucking sense right because because white feminism is not always inclusive yeah Sad white women. <laughs> Speaking of which, who wants to talk about a movie? Let's talk about a movie. Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsity Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week? Jonathan. Today, we're talking about Chariots of Fire, a film about two British guys who run fast. That, that's They're it. Very that's it. fast. You're very fast. You're super fast. You're just the fastest. God mm-hmm. made me fast. Yeah. Like Sonic the Hedgehog, but <laughs> British. Very oh, British. <laughs> Scottish over the top. Pip, pip, go and collect these rings. <laughs> the Olympic rings. <laughs> I feel like we both just went super Irish. Now I can think of Ooh. just Sonic and like <laughs> dressed up like a leprechaun. After <laughs> 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 sure. Before... It's me, the Hedgehog. <laughs> That's good. Also, <laughs> I'm, I have to mention, I just saw this meme a moment ago. It's uh, a Batman standing outside a casino talking about this is where, um, I can't quote it exactly, this is where darkness has won. This is where I had to watch my uh, parents die. And then in the next panel, you see Sonic standing beside him looking at the casino. He's like, mm, pinball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we do an Oscar break? Oh, uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Is this everybody's first time seeing this movie? Yes. Yes. So, Paul, you have two of your predictions correct so far. Uh, and then, Zach, I have to say that you also have two of your predictions correct because we're Oscar first, Oscar firsties tonight, guys. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Two weeks in a row? 
uh, yeah, three weeks in a row, oh, all three, three of these yeah. I haven't seen because of what didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just a string of them. Yeah. All right. Now let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think I'm done doing the weather. It's March 29th, 1982. We're at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, Los Angeles, no. California. No, no, don't drop the weather. No. I'm just running out of things to say. It's crispy. It was a cantankerous evening. <laughs> just, a, just a real ornery March 29th. Uh, <laughs> Everyone was grumpy. Man, we are all over the place so far. I love it. Yes. Um, so Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, Los Angeles, California. Our host is a fourth time running Johnny Carson. <laughs> Four in a row. Weird and huh? wild stuff. Weird, wild stuff. I have my Johnny Carson was terrible. <laughs> you're also vaping while you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our most, we are professionals. Yes. Professionals. Our most nominated film on the evening is Reds at 12. Our most awarded films on the evening are Chariots of Fire and Raiders of the Lost Ark at 4. Nice. Uh, this is... First time, only the second time after 1967, that three different films get nominated for the top five Oscars. Oh. Also, uh, we have a inclusion of a new category, which I will get to when we get to it. Okay. All right. Uh, our best picture, Chariots of Fire, wins against Atlantic City, On Golden Pawn, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Reds, giving Warren Beatty again his first Academy Award nomination on the evening. Uh, our best director is Warren Beatty for Reds. Congratulations! Beating out Hugh Hudson for Chariots of Fire, who apparently thought Warren Beatty was the worst pick of the evening. <laughs> Zach's had a red screen now for quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> Reds. Reds. Let's see. Uh, Henry Fonda wins for On Golden Pond. Oh, uh, so Warren Beatty wins for Reds. That's a second nomination. Henry Fonda wins for On Golden Pond, beating out Warren Beatty and Reds for his third nomination. Uh, speaking of Burt Lancaster, nominated for Atlantic City. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, no act. There are no acting nom or there are no acting nominations in Best Actor for uh, for this film. Okay. I have to assume the two actors probably split the vote. Um, best actress goes to Catherine Hepburn for On Golden Pond, giving her her fourth and final Oscar, making ding, her ding, ding, ding. the winningest actor in the history of the Oscars. One magical woman. Nobody has has tied her. Yep. A few have come close and got three, but nobody has four. Aside from her. Yeah. Uh, Meryl Streep also nominated again. Her third time in four years. <laughs> what was uh? What movie was uh, Meryl Streep nominated for this year? Uh, French Lieutenant's Woman. Mm -hmm. uh, best supporting actor goes to John Gielgud for Arthur, <laughs> which is a great film. Uh, and John Gielgud also in Chariots of Fire. Uh, and uh, he beats Ian Holm for Chariots of Fire and Jack Nicholson for Reds. Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, Best Supporting Actress goes to Maureen Stapleton for Reds, playing Emma Goldman, who, if you didn't know, was the woman that uh, Leon Cholgosh was inspired by when he uh, shot William McKinley. No, no. I did not know that, but thank you for... <laughs> yeah. Now, I said I had a connection to Reds in uh, early film. Uh-huh. The uh, the uh, death row, the what do you call it? Assassination of Leon Cholgosh, whatever, uh, where they fried him in the electric chair, uh-huh. uh, was one of the first things that Thomas Edison ever put on film. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Twisted man. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I. Oh, you're talking about Edison was a twisted man. Yes. Okay. I would say if you were talking about Cholgosh, Cholgosh is a working man born in the middle of Michigan. <laughs> with a plan and a way he ran to the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo. In Buffalo. Sorry. I got to bring assassins up when I can. <laughs> I still need to see that. It's so good. Okay. Uh, moving on. Best screenplay written directly for the screen goes to Chariots of Fire, giving Colin Welland an Academy Award, beating out Warren Beatty for Reds, his fourth Academy Award, on the evening, making that the second time that Warren Beatty got nominated for director, producer, actor, and writer after being the first man to accomplish that task. <laughs> well done. <laughs> two, two movies into his directed career. Mm. I think they like him. A little bit. Uh, best screenplay based on material from another medium goes to On Golden Pond, uh, giving Ernest Thompson an Academy Award uh, that he wrote it off his own plate. Nice. Uh, best foreign language film goes to <clears throat> Mephisto from Hungary. Best documentary feature goes to Genocide. Oh, God. That's a title. Mm. It sure is. At least there's no exclamation point, I hope. <laughs> Genocide! <laughs> Genocide! Uh, Beats out eight minutes to midnight. <laughs> Portrait of Dr. Henry Caldecott. All right. Uh, best documentary short subject goes to Close Harmony. Best live action uh, short film goes to Violet. Uh, best animated short film goes to Crack. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it is C-R-A-C and... Crack. Is directed by Friedrich Back. Back on crack. Back on crack. <laughs> Back on crack. <laughs> it's in the sack. <laughs> wow. Not what I took before we started recording. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Hmm. All right. Uh, our best original score brings us to. Our podcast within a podcast, John Williams Oscar Watch. John Williams, nominated for Raiders of the Lost Ark, loses to Chariots of Fire for Okay. Sorry, John Williams, but you got three already. I'm not too sad. I am. I fucking hate this score. Oh, we're, we're going to have words. In <laughs> words! Okay. The best original song 
goes to Arthur's theme, Best That You Could Do from Arthur, giving Burt Bacharach, Carol Bayer, Sager, Christopher Cross, and Peter Allen an Academy Award mm. as they get stuck between the moon and New York City. <laughs> uh, Every day out- when you're walking down the street. <laughs> uh, they beat out the first time it happens from the Great Muppet Caper. Mm. Oh. And for your eyes only, from Fury Eyes Only. Fury Eyes Only? <laughs> Fury Eyes Only. <laughs> God, what, is, what is happening tonight? Adolf Eyes. <laughs> did you say Adolf Eyes? He did. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> We're falling apart. <laughs> Uh, best sound goes to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Our new category on the evening after people made a huge fuss over the makeup effects in the Elephant Man not getting a special Academy Award because, God damn it, that deserved a special Academy Award. <laughs> yeah, yes. The Academy finally says, fine, we'll make a best makeup award. Excellent. And they do. And it goes to an American werewolf in London because there could not be a better first film for this. <laughs> oh, God. Rick Baker picking up his first Academy Award, beating out Stan Winston for heartbeats. Like that one scene. Just the transformation. <laughs> yeah, just the transformation <laughs> was like the first thing that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Oh, it's between so- that and the witches. Those oh, two yeah. transformations just fucking wrecked me as a kid. Yo, Nicholas Regg's witches is wild. <laughs> uh, that's when I fell in love with Angelica Houston, though. So, fucking right. <laughs> it's when she's doing that little weird, like, hip movement when shit's like he's, they're turning them into a rat. Like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? And can I have what she's having? Right. So, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm asking this early. Uh, Maybe are the, do they like retroactively give Elephant Man a special? <laughs> no, God, fat bastard. No, there's there's no justice. But at least Werewolf, American Werewolf in London picks up an Academy Award. And, yeah. Who man? What a good one. Um. All right. Best costume design goes to Chariots of Fire. Best <laughs> art direction goes to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Best. Cinematography goes to Reds, giving Vittorio Storaro his first Academy Award. And man, Reds is a gorgeous film. Mm-hmm. Uh, best film editing goes to Raiders of the Lost Ark, giving Michael Kahn an Academy Award. Kahn! And best visual effects goes to Raiders of the Lost Ark, giving Richard Edlund, Kit West, Bruce Nicholson, and the great Joe Johnston, who many of you may know as the director of The Rocketeer and Captain America, The First Avenger. An Academy Award. Wow. Nice. Uh, also, that beats out Dragon's Lair. Huh. I, I don't think you did that, right? I, I meant to make it sound more like someone was having sex with dragons. Well, well, that and the fact, isn't Dragon Dragon Lair? That's a video game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. trying to go with Dragon's Lair. Okay, it's okay. Still, it sounds like a layer like layer. of dragons? Yeah. Okay. Like Donkey from Dragon's Lair. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Giving Phil Tippett an Academy Award, along with Dennis Muir and Ken Ralston, Brian Johnson, Phil Tippett, we will discuss most likely later, but uh, you may know him for failing to be a good dinosaur wrangler. 
their dinosaur supervisor, whatever the fuck they called them on Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, honorary award goes to Barbara Stanwyck for superlative creativity and unique contribution to the art of screen acting. Special achievement award goes to uh, Ben Burt and Richard L. Anderson for the sound effects of Raiders, sound effects editing of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Gordon E. Sawyer Award goes to Joseph B. Walker. And I looked up what that award was the other day and I've forgotten what that award is because it's the first the time worst. it's been given out. Whoop. Uh, Irving G. Thalberg Award goes to Albert R. Broccoli. <laughs> there was a long time where I was saying his last name wrong because I couldn't imagine someone's last name. Just like, were you calling Broccoli? <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> and then I found out it was Broccoli and I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> his nickname was Cubby. His nickname was Cubby. You know him best as the producer of every James Bond film until the day he died. And now his daughter, Barbara Broccoli, <laughs> is in charge of oh, James Bond. <laughs> and uh, Jonathan, yeah. you'll be happy with this note. The Gene yeah. Herschelt Humanitarian Award goes to star of the court jester, Danny yes. Kay. Yes. That Hooray. is our Oscar break. <clears throat> yeah, well... Thank you very much for those uh, mm, curiosity-peaking notes. Yeah. All right. So, let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about this movie. And it's horrendous fucking score. I think you mean amazing fucking score. I think I don't. I think if everything we have discussed so far, this is where I stand. This is the hill I fucking die on. I... This could have been an amazing score and it if is. it was not for synthesizers. And that's what makes it so good. No, I give me like <laughs> just this orchestral awesomeness and then throw in some. <laughs> no, fuck you. Like chariots of fire is one of like the most iconic fucking songs. Like you hear that shit. Everybody's like, oh, that's awesome. I could just imagine a bunch of dudes running right now and then throwing this inside. It's like, oh fuck, this is terrible. Never mind. I love it. I love it. Oh, so much. I fucking hate it. it. Like it reminds I, me a lot of like the tangerine dream scores of <laughs> things like legend. <laughs> well, <laughs> John Carpenter's uh, escape from New York comes out this year and has yeah, a really like an electronic score just like yeah. this. And, and that's fine. And it fits for those, but it uh, doesn't fit for this movie. I love I, it. It's so anachronistic. Go yeah. on, Zach. I, I was going to say, the problem. Uh, <laughs> I'd never really used or heard the word anachronistic. I don't know why I, I but I learned it when I was, uh, uh, <laughs> writing a review of, uh, the greatest showman. <laughs> oh, for me, it was night's tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, overall, I am not a fan of anachronistic scores unless it's in like a hyper stylized movie where it's like, mm, I don't mind this score to be honest. I kind of like it, uh, but I don't like it in this movie. I, it draws me out of it. I love it. Put the score somewhere else. And I would think it would be amazing. But in this movie, it just did not make a lick of fucking sense. I love it. I love it. I love how sparingly it is used and exactly how they use it. Hmm. Because they only use it for running scenes. Mm, yeah. It is it is not <laughs> laid in under any of the dramatic moments. It is used almost like a John Carpenter score 
as like horror music anytime they lose. Yeah. And I know I, this was a purposeful stylistic choice that they decided they hired him, him to uh, do this score mm-hmm. electronically. And I mean, kudos to them for creating an iconic song and a and an Oscar winning score. I just it took me out of the the scenes because I'm like yep. synthesizer didn't, didn't exist yet. It didn't take me out of a single one. I <laughs> thought it was a really beautiful stylized decision and yeah. very stylized running moments that that anchored the past in the present and allowed you to kind of live with these men. Yeah, and their successes and their defeats on kind of a shared ground. You know, now now that you're saying linking the past and the present, I guess on a technicality it can get away because we have the, the present scenes and they're looking. That back was on going their to be my next point. That made zero. Like you could have cut that completely, and it would have <laughs> only taken out like a minutes. minute of the film. <laughs> they did it so they could squeeze. But they the flashback. They flashbacked. And then flashbacked within three minutes <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> it's like, first off, all right, cool. Bunch of old guys with pretty bad old guy makeup. Um, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, we're at a funeral. Somebody died. I, that's probably going to be at the end where they're going to tell us who died. And then we find out who died in, in like one of those little, and this person, blah, 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 died kind of title card things. Um, It was terrible, but (laughs) it's not a bad movie. I think this is a very nice movie. It is a very nice movie. It's a nice movie, but I just, it has some Mm -hmm. fucking editing issues like crazy (laughs) because I, well, you know, this may not be an editing thing. I don't know where to put this. This is not a pacing editing. It's like a, uh, who is this movie about? (laughs) Because, well, no, because you're just like, all right, so here you have Abraham. You're like, all right, is he the good guy or is he the bad guy? Nope, he's just a guy who wants to prove himself because he has a disadvantage in Britain at this time. And here's another guy who has every advantage. Neither of them are the bad guy. There is no protagonist. There is no antagonist other than the the, the culture of the 1920s. Um, but at the same time, you kind of get to about the beginning of the third act where you're just like, all right, am I supposed to not root for one of these guys? Because well, Abraham I mean, wants time, to beat Liddell, but by the he time he wants to be faster getting into the third act, you realize that they're not going to be facing each other. So you yeah. get the chance to root for both of them. Mm. Uh, I was firmly on Abraham's side through the majority of this film, yeah. especially when uh, the evil uncle from Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. is like, oh, he's a Jew, eh? We hate <laughs> them Jews around here. Yeah. Was, I, um, I can't remember. Was his name actually Mr. Ratcliffe? Or who, who was, was a Ratcliffe? Yes, yes, like almost Ratcliffe. That would be great. <laughs> Rat bastard Cliff. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I just... And it's kind of hard to look back when it comes to like, I don't know, is this considered a, I don't know if you would call this a biopic because it's or more I mean, biographical film-ish. It's, yeah. it's, a, bi, it's a biopic. It's, it's a, a bi-biopic too. So the least. story is, you can't really say, hey, the story is bad because, you know, these are things that happen. Obviously with, you know, I mean, Hollywood involved because, you know, 
you can say that. That's fine. I mean, they're they're biopics where you know they just make up whatever they want. Sure. There's a lot of things they change for this for dramatic reasons or because like one guy wouldn't give his his permission uh, for Dude. them to use him, so they yeah. changed his character. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's plenty of biopics that just make things up. Like, sure. Uh, I don't know. But, but this is something I am just think of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I don't think I'd bring that film up enough. Sure. I always like the story. Uh, Freddie Mercury, you're you're partying so wildly. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're queen. We drink milk and go to bed at nine thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but but this is also one of those like I'm pretty sure the three of us really weren't going to be super knowledgeable of the 1920s Olympics, right? About how two British guys and good. Oh God, I just had zero interest in the actual. Yeah, people like. Like, if but, you, the, if, but the way it was told was well done because, like I yeah. said, like Paul said, actually, it's it's a nice movie. Yeah, it's nice. It's real nice. I, yeah, I'm like learning about things I don't know anything about. Exactly. Go on, Zach. <laughs> well, yeah, I I I liked it. Also, uh, I guess if you're especially like if you're Scottish or something, and Lydell was a, a hero, national hero, and um, I've got friend that lives in edinburgh and it's like i took a picture of the sign of like the france versus scotland thing and she's like oh nice um but i just i couldn't be bothered to care about any of it really i mean that was my struggle with this abraham was the only one that you're just like hey dude you uh you got a reason to be doing this good on you well his his uh fiance sybil or something said one line that i was like I'm, I'm totally with you. She's like, you're acting like a child. It's just running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was how, <laughs> but no, I, if you're, if you're into running, if you're into Olympic history, if you're into you know, stories of religious prosecution and stuff, uh, I'm sure you'll it like this. It wasn't even religious persecution. It was just guys like, I don't want to do work on Sunday. And everyone's like, <laughs> well, uh, I think it means more the anti-Semitism. Oh yeah. That well, part. That, yeah. Well, yeah. there's that as well, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess he really did have because uh, like who was that last guy that was kind of a dick to him? The one who was like the guy who replaced Liddell in the the race. Mm-hmm. The 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 guy was like, hey, you know, if you win, or you know, I'll buy everyone dinner. But if Abraham wins, you're buying dinner, right? Mm. <laughs> it's like, wow, that guy's fuck him. And then like you get that little bit of heartbreak after he wins because you're just like he came home and. Got a little sign, but that's it. I was like, oh, poor guy. I I loved when he won, and they're in the locker room after, and the one teammates try to like celebrate with him, and the other one's like, leave him alone. He won. He's like, yeah, he won. This doesn't make any sense. He's like, yeah, one day you'll win. You'll understand. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so like not broken or dejected, but kind of suddenly without meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you go once you're the best? There is no up. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it was such a good moment. I, yeah. I, I, I connected with that character and he's, he's what took me through it because Lord knows I'm not going to get into 
the other guy who's like I man with all the man for all seasons. I like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, what a hard life you lead. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I'm not sure how this movie won best costumes, though. I mean, I guess it had some nice clothes, but <laughs> did it? <laughs> In some scenes, I mean, the costuming is good. They they look period appropriate. Yes, yes. I feel like since it got only one acting nomination and poor Ian Holm wasn't going to win that as good as he was in this movie. <laughs> when, when Abraham's won and him being the coach, he just kind of like sat down on his bed and punched out his hat and started yeah. crying. Oh God. I love that so much. That was good. Uh, but the costumes in this are just as impressive as the ones in reds and pennies from heaven. Like, yeah. honestly, this is kind of a boring costume category this year. True. I mean, there were sub movies, but nothing I think the Academy's ever going to look at. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Excalibur could have been in there, got nominated for yeah. cinematography. Dragon's Lair. <laughs> it's just, I just can't say it right. It's, <laughs> I can't make it sound right. We could, Cannonball Run probably could have been up for best costume. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, this movie's another. Uh, Fuck, yeah, I mean, it's another white movie. Just they, like, it just, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, I don't say, want to say white because it's a bunch of white people, but it's just fucking vanilla, <laughs> you know? Like, it's, it's like when I made that complaint against uh, Cavalcade early on, it's so very British. It's like, <laughs> yeah, to Which, the point, you know, that, I mean, that's how it is, but it seems like almost the people are performative in their accents, but I don't know. Maybe it's just, I'm, maybe I'm just, grouchy yeah i think i think a lot of it feels like stage acting how did time bandits not get best costume how did time bandits not get best costume there you go my god time bandits is gorgeous let me put aside everything else i feel about that film because i got words but (laughs) it is very well costumed (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. oh i i yeah i was i was watching this movie uh i watched it over two nights in two parts and I've got this redhead on a beanbag shaking her butt over there. And I'm like, do I want to watch these guys running or do I want to look? Mm. <laughs> no. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it, it's defined. It's a good movie. It's well made. It's uh, there's a lot of interesting um, camera angles sometimes that they use and it's gritty. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and again, I, I like, I like the shots that they use the score for and the mm. way they use them with the shots and the way they sync up perfectly whenever they do like the four cuts of them going through the ribbon from different angles. And yeah, I like the way a lot of this looks. I think it's again, a well-told story. It There's nothing technically wrong with it. Right. I also like that, you know, the, we've heard the main theme so many times parodied and even used in the Olympics more modernly. But I like that it was only at the beginning and the end of the movie. I was worried it was going to be like throughout and just like uh, take me out of it because I've seen it parodied so many times. But it was used very tastefully and purposefully. Mm-hmm. This is not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. It's great. It's for, great this movie. Again, for this movie. Again, it, it, it's just... This mechanism can work. Uh, just, it's not always good, but it can be. It can be. It, it can just be. wasn't in this one. 
<laughs> Definitely <laughs> was not in uh, The Greatest Showman. I got to shit on that movie a little bit more. Oh, no. It no, certainly yeah, is yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, also, that's another biopic where they just completely make up everything about a character and make uh, P.T. Barnum not a giant piece of shit like he really was. Yeah. Yep. So, as we're scoring it, P.T. Barnum, actual piece of shit, nice guy in movie. Freddie Mercury, nice guy in real life, piece of shit in movie. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I personally don't really have much else to say about this movie. Yeah, I was anybody got else... any more notes? No, uh... I, I really wish I had more to say about it, but I mean, it's it's all it's all pretty cut and dry. One man wants to run his ass off so he can prove that the anti-Semites are all giant pieces of shit and they're wrong mm-hmm. about him. Other guy doesn't want to run on Sundays because he <laughs> has dumb religious beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, you, you'd asked last week if this was, uh, or if Ordinary People was the widest movie ever made. And I was I was going to say, maybe you spoke too soon, but then, they, you know... <laughs> Got a couple different races there at the Olympics, I guess. So it can't be technically. <laughs> okay, the... but no, 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 no. Because you got the one American black guy that ran. He got about three seconds on film. But ordinary people had that one little black chorus girl. Uh... So she was on the screen for a little bit more. So this might be the whitest movie, but. Oh, also the one guy that the one American guy that, uh, um abraham's runs against mm-hmm. i can't remember the character's name off the top of my head uh was the main character from breaking away oh yeah so okay he, so he uh leveled up from being the underdog in a bicycle movie to being the top guy that the underdog had to beat in <laughs> a running movie <laughs> oh it's very fast <laughs> yeah it's so fast i still right. watch breaking away i do want to see it because i you spoke so highly of it i I yeah. really like it, and I love that it was from the from the director of uh, of a film we covered. Mm-hmm. And I think I already said this maybe on a different episode, but uh, the director of Crawl. Oh yes, yes. So anyway, hmm. yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to add. Okay. Well, uh, is this movie in the library? Well, it is not because it is British. Hmm. Oh, oh yeah. good call. Yeah, British. So I'm going to give you this very, very lengthy uh, list of films that went in from 1981. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. It is The Decline of Western Civilization, the documentary. It's a great documentary. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. And Zoot Suit. (laughs) That's it. It's just that. That's it. That's it for 1981. Reds isn't in? Reds is not in. <laughs> for political reasons, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because there are... Got no Evil Dead? ...from that year. Dude, I have a list here of movies that the Academy ignored. Some are obvious, but we'll get there. I, you know, mm-hmm. now I feel like we should have. that should have been our cold open. was discussing how shitty the 1981 films. <laughs> but I feel like well. cooler people are getting in and more diverse tastes are starting to be represented. So maybe we'll start seeing some of these films. Yeah. Mm. But for now, uh, I'm assuming I, I guess I'll just come out and tell you that Raiders of the Lost Ark is mm-hmm. the earliest one. Oh, I would have assumed the decline. No, that didn't get until 2016. Well, so Raiders, give me a year that Raiders went in 97, 94. Jonathan wins. The price is right. 
goes into 99. Damn. Mm. Yeah, it seems rude. Yeah. But I guess they're probably putting in other Spielberg films first. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Oh. Who wants to? Oh, you have another. Zach, did you say 94? Yeah. Uh, give me a second here. What are we covering next week? Gandhi. Uh, Gandhi. Yeah. Which I think is also a British film. Okay. Yeah. Then I, I won't. I won't make notes about next week's. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, let's take a guess at the grossing film. The highest grossing film in 1981. <laughs> yeah, you want to take just a quick guess? Dun, is dun, dun, dun. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> 212 million compared to number two on Golden Pond at 119. Yeah, yeah on Golden Pond was a weird hit. Yeah. I'm surprised. Of- I'm surprised it's not in the... Uh, Library of Congress, like in honor of like Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn, but yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, I I don't understand what the fuck. Mm. Well, so mm, let's get to our questions. I got my list coming. So let's talk about our worsty judgments. Zach, yeah, does this movie deserve Best Picture? Uh, let's see. I'm just gonna kind of. I'm going to take a lot of time here because I uh, I haven't seen Atlantic City. I didn't have time to watch that today. The other four nominees I have seen. Um, because I'll copy Paul here and rank the ones that are not our winner here. Uh, on Golden Pond would be my uh, number three of ones I've seen. I like it. It's been a little while since I've seen it, but. Um, I like it, but the, the my top two are Reds and then Raiders of the Lost Ark, which are both movies that I really have uh, a deep kind of love and appreciation for. Um, sure. And right. yeah, Chariots of Fire would fall at my number four under those three. Uh, I like it, but not love it. I don't think it deserved Best Picture. I really, I would have loved to have seen Raiders win, but it's another one of those that doesn't need it. So I think it should have gone to Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe uh, nominate Time Bandits or Evil Dead or Scanners or something. Scanners. Jonathan, what do you think? <sighs> All right, we're how Paul felt about Star Wars, kind of like what you said about the whole yeah. not needing was to be Best Picture. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was that a Criterion? Yes, scanners. Of course, of course. Okay, nice. take a drink. Take a drink. Take a drink. Um, Raiders is a theme park ride. Yeah, and it is a really fucking fun theme park ride as a movie. Indeed. Um, and it, I think it laid the foundation for a lot more theme park ride movies to be made. It is mm-hmm. pretty much the precursor to where we are now. <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, as a if if you look through the Academy's eyes, I'm happy they nominated it. Yeah. But like you said, it did not need to win. Um, I enjoy that movie a lot better than Chariots of Fire, but I think I understand it winning Best Picture over it. Yeah. Those being the only two movies of the five that I've seen. Um, what I will not forgive um, is a complete and total lack of appreciation for Clash of the Titans. Evil Dead, Heavy Metal, Time Bandits, <laughs> History of the World Part 1, and The Fucking Fox and the Hound. I think yeah. Fox and the Hound was a bomb. But doesn't mean it was a bad fucking movie. No, it, it, that doesn't mean that in, in any way, shape, or form. But lots of, of times. Lots of bombs can make you cry. Like, 
every one of those movies I personally have seen a million fucking times <laughs> and think deserve some sort of recognition. Sure. Something special effects to Clash of the Titans, at least. I yeah. love heavy metal, but it's not very good, though. No, it's not. <laughs> but, <still. laughs> but like, yeah, when you only have two in the visual effects category, you 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 could give Ray Harry Alzen a fucking nomination, right? <laughs> but I, I just, and especially History of the World Part One, just not getting like just fuck the Academy, and they're just complete and total lack of appreciation for comedy. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, and it's weird that they've given Mel Brooks recognition multiple times. And yeah. History of the world is probably one of his, his better films. It is, but it's also one of the most, like it's almost like a sketch comedy film where it's just like, because it's in so many parts, even though there is this kind of overarching thing, sort of, but it, it's, it's definitely probably my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yummy. So, that, you know, fucking time bandits. Fucking time bandits. So, all right, Paul. Yes. Um, does this movie deserve best picture? Here's my time bandits criterion. Nice. Pick go, another gulp, gulp. Get drunk. Um, I love time bandits. It rules. Yeah. Um, Ranking the other four, because I have seen the other four. The only one that I didn't watch this week was the one that I've seen enough times to know exactly where it sits on my list. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because I didn't get to watch movies at all last weekend because I was out of town and uh, watching baseball games instead. Ranking them. I'm going on Golden Pond is my bottom of the list. It's a cute film, and I like it. Like None of these films did I not like, but three... <laughs> Three of them. Um, on Golden Pond's really cute. I really enjoy Fonda and Hepburn together, and then they bring this kid into the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really loses me a lot whenever Jane Fonda comes onto screen. I don't think she's bad in the movie. I just think her character's kind of weird, mm-hmm. and as their daughter, and doesn't her her storyline doesn't work for me very well. Um. And I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I kind of Jonathaned about 20 minutes of it. <laughs> um, I almost Jonathaned Chariots of Fire, too, but then I realized how much time I lost and exactly where I fell asleep. And I was like, no, I gotta go, I gotta go back for context. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't Jonathan this movie, but I I just watch movies like right when I get off of work and I get like yep. so invested in them that it, they they just lull me to sleep. It's never even it's almost never a, I'm so bored I could just fall asleep right now. It's just, I like movies and I'm paying way too hard attention for how tired I am. Yeah. Okay, so, on Golden Pond. Atlantic City. Atlantic City was apparently like this. You know, it gets into the the National Film Registry the year before because of its with the 1980s films. Uh, and apparently it's just like this this really well-regarded film and I'm not saying it was bad. It was, it was a good movie. I just, it, I couldn't find any context onto why it was so well-regarded. Hmm. Like what, what it did in 1981 and 1980, whatever that other films weren't doing before it, it seemed very run of the mill for me, but it was enjoyable. Lancaster is good. Susan Sarandon's good. It's an interesting story. I just, it just didn't feel like, anything special to me. Okay. 
Um, my number two is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is great. Oh. And I love it. And yeah. I grew up wanting to be Indiana Jones and using mm-hmm. my dad used to have a brown fedora that I wore all the time. And I would wear it and use my like belt that I would wear to church because <laughs> that used to happen when I was younger. <laughs> And I would tie them onto like my door knobs and swing on my door knobs. Yeah. Uh, pretending to be Indiana Jones. I grew up loving everything about Indiana Jones and those movies are incredible. Uh, all four of them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I'm with Jonathan. It's a, it's a theme park ride. It's a good time. I love it. I don't, and I'm with you, Zach. I don't think it needs best picture. And it's also just not the best film of the year because the Reds is the best film of the year. Holy fucking shit. Reds is so good. <laughs> mm. It yeah. is incredible from start to finish. The performances are all great. The writing is top notch. The directing is beautiful. Vittorio Storaro is one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. And he gives that film a sheen and a life that I don't think it would have in most cases. And Beatty has done two films and they're both great and they both deserved all the nominations they got. They probably should have won most of them. Yeah. Uh, Reds is probably my favorite film from 1981. And that's coming for someone who thinks Time Bandits is possibly one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah. Wow. Um, was, was this your first time seeing it? Oh, no, no, no. This is like okay. my third or fourth time. Okay. The first time I saw it was actually in a high school, in a high school, like history through film class. Oh, nice. And uh, our teacher showed it to us. I was like, <laughs> what is this? Why didn't it? It really warmed my little 17 year old anarchist heart. And yeah, I got into like a lot of the people that the film was about after that. Eugene O'Neill and Emma Goldman. And, right. Um, I just. It's great. I think it's a great film. I. I, I apparently I need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's over three hours long. So yeah, it's three hours and fifteen in. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a, it's not a slog though. Like I feel like everything moves at a really quick pace, and the editing, the editing is gorgeous. It, what one for editing? Because uh, Raiders one for uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's a really hard call. Uh, I'm not going to try to make that call, but the editing on on Reds is actually a lot of fun. Good. Even even as it gets serious, there's there's some things that they do that are really interesting. And yeah. Um, that being said, I think out of those five, out of the five, uh, Chariots of Fire is going at my number three. I think it's a really nice film. I really enjoy it. I think the edge goes to me for uh, having a lot to say about anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. as I have, I think I've illustrated over the course of this, uh, this podcast that it means a lot to me when someone can actually talk about anti-Semitism in an intelligent way. Yeah. And I think this film does that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, it doesn't deserve best picture. Raiders and Reds are far, far better. And there's far, far better other films like, uh, Jonathan forgot to say the great Muppet caper. I did forget to say the great Muppet caper. Um, and ragtime. I think ragtime's better. I don't, I don't dislike any of the films from this list, but I, 
I would drop Atlantic City on Golden Pond and tear its fire right out of this race. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Well, um, Zach. Yeah. Is this the worst best picture? No, it's not the worst. Um, I'm looking at my rankings right now, trying to decide exactly where I'm putting it. It is going to be uh, probably lower than 35 for me. I'm thinking like round number, round number 39, which would put it between Gentleman's Agreement and A Man for All Seasons, which is kind of a weird place to put it because it's got parallels to both those movies. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I think on principle I'm going to put it there at number 39. Um, but I, what I will say, even though it's not the worst best picture, I think these last three weeks we really have kind of seen the Academy Awards start to really solidify what the Academy Award style. Right, we're mm-hmm. we're going into Winter. the modern version of what the Academy looks for. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. What about you, Jonathan? What do you think? Um. Yep. Yeah, not the worst best picture. Um. Yeah. I kind of put it there. Yeah. Thirty six. In between Sound of Music and A Man for All Seasons. <laughs> Although, yeah, I know our middle of the road is definitely <laughs> different. Um, but hey, it just, like Paul said, it's a nice movie. I enjoyed it. Um, but since we have the time, <laughs> I do also want to bring up a film that is near and dear to me and is a very winning movie as well. Uh, five out of ten nominations this year and goes on nine years later to also win a uh, nomination of the Razzies. Uh, Mommy Dearest came out in 1981. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that fucking movie. <laughs> great, great film. <laughs> wins five out of the ten Razzies of 1981 and wins Worst Picture of the Decade. Yeah. Nice. That movie is great. <laughs> no it is more, a why are hangers ever? No more, why are hangers? Like my mom would yell that at me all the time. I loved it. But yeah, I felt like that movie needed a bit of a uh, a shout out. It should. It, absolutely. So, uh, Paul, is this the worst best picture? No, I think this is a nice film and I liked it and I liked watching it. But I think a lot of it's going to fade from my memory like quickly. Uh, and I'm a little more positive on it than you two, but not too much. It's at my 32. I uh, have it between Oliver and I have it under Oliver because it Oliver's also a very nice movie, but it beats it out because it has the uh, the horse and buggy made of mm. orphans. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I have it right on top of Marty, which I think is another really nice movie. I yeah. liked Marty though. I, I like Marty too. I like Chariots yeah. of Fire. I gave I, Marty like an additional letter grade just for being a 90 minute movie. <laughs> but <laughs> I think yeah. I may have to at least like a half letter grade. Like it, both of these are four star movies for me. And yeah, it's like, I like everything that's happening in these movies and I find mm. them charming in in different respects. I just don't think they're like, the top of the top like yeah sure I've, I've got oliver at 32 and marty at 35 and then this one at 39 so they're they're kind of all in that similar area yeah like i said i i'm i'm slightly more positive on it than you guys but no it it's not leaps and bounds yeah all right well i think that's where we're gonna call it here today um yeah yeah been good times 
So, hey, well, my name is uh, Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, on the Letterbox, on the Twitch, and on the TikToks at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? Find me on Critiker at Zach Master, X A K K M A S T E R, uh, where you can see how much I shat on the greatest showman. Um, or TikTok at House Havoc, or Letterbox by searching for my name, Mr. Workman. Uh, you can find me across platforms at Father of the Fear on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterbox, where I keep a running tally of all the films that I have seen. And today I went and saw the French Dispatch, <gasps> the new Wes Anderson <gasps> film. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> it uh, might be my favorite film of the year so far. It oh. is incredibly oh. good. Like, yeah. Wes Anderson is such a goddamn master of cinema. How Wes Anderson is this movie? Um, okay, so like on a scale most... of like Mr. Fox to The Life Aquatic. Which one are you considering the top of the heap? Life Aquatic is like the okay. most Wes Anderson. Okay, so Life think. Aquatic cuz to me and then you probably haven't seen it. Grand Budapest Hotel has been the most Yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. Okay. All right. So I'll stick to your scale. Uh you take Life Aquatic plus it with fantastic Mr. Fox and then everything in between. And you watch, you watch Wes Anderson reach a new height of Wes Anderson. It is Wes Anderson's six underground. (laughs) Well, see, I, I, um, we have this similar love of Wes Anderson. So I am taking your word as gospel kind of in this sense, because I, I don't care what much else that, much people say outside of the fandom, I guess, because I'm kind of biased. Yeah. Um, here's the thing I really like the most about this movie is he's doing different things. He's creating new Wes Anderson language. He's working in different mediums. Mm-hmm. He's working with different camera styles. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a point where he takes the camera off the tripod and does some, some like freehand shooting. And it looks like a, a French new wave movie. Interesting. Like God, it <laughs> just so like he has an entire animated description <laughs> of it. Just sounds so up its ass. Just, ah, I I think what you mean is artistic. There's uh, a fucking line, dude. Like, yeah, the line, the line is here's Wes Anderson, here's up its own ass, and then way up here is Lars von Trier. Like, all right. So like, no, like a 24 <laughs> is the fucking line. Like they are the line. If you go past that much pretension, you've passed the line. I, and I feel like a 24 is like anything. A 24 is just, it's up there. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, I just always say Wes Anderson just has a style that he likes and he sticks to it. I mean, but I, like you said, with new, new, I, I think he it. always like his his style his style and his framing is usually there, but he's always doing something different to to add to his style. It isn't just like I'm resting on my laurels and I'm just going to make it look like yeah. this film. I agree. No, he never makes the same movie. It is always different. Just yeah. Finding a way to still be up its own ass. Maybe. Like uh, Jonathan, I don't think I, he's bad. I want you guys yeah. to understand. I don't think Wes Anderson is bad. I, don't I think, think he's up his own ass. I think I, think I just think the pretension filmmaker. is just like it's it and, my, and, and it, it's me being you know 
obviously a little hyperbolic, but I really I just, think you should see so Grand Budapest. You should see Grand Budapest Hotel. I, I really think you should. I really, it's just, it's the style that just does it for me. I, I mean, I, I'll give it a shot. I promise you, I, I will. It's, but I, I, I say this kindly. I say it, it's like Wes Anderson injected with a little, uh, I throw a Tarantino out there or Scorsese or something. It's got a little more edge than some of his movies do. Um, I, and I'll say the one thing I really like about this film is the film makes fun of art pretension while at the same time kind of which glorify, I guess, which is kind <laughs> of what I appreciate. I can appreciate that. It's like when Michael Bay made uh, that Netflix movie. It's it's like, like, hey, he, yeah. It's like, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Where, where that film was Michael Bay saying, I'm Michael Bay. I make Michael Bay movies, and this yeah. is going to be the most Michael Bay movie you've ever seen. And yeah. you can get on board, or you can get the fuck out the way. Okay, that's that's this movie with Wes Anderson. <laughs> okay. It's just like I know who I am, and, and I, I know what I do. That. And and I again, it's yeah. great. It's just not it's your cup not of tea. for this guy. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And I can appreciate that. I'm not trying to make you go see this movie. I'm just letting you know it is possibly my favorite film of the year i don't think it goes as my favorite wes anderson movie though i think that stays in kind of a weird tie between grand budapest and um royal tenant bumps fair enough fair enough Mm -hmm. all right and then uh let's see so paul you're telling us about what you watch this did you see anything else of note I watched Dune again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, how'd you feel on second viewing? Exactly the same as I felt. On the okay. <laughs> I Validation. literally nothing changed. I watched it on a smaller screen that had a higher contrast, and I actually got to see the sandworm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, I'm, that's it. That's <laughs> the only difference I had in that entire fucking film. Let's see. Um, what else did I watch this week? I didn't watch much no like literally i watched all the films for the podcast that i needed to watch in yeah. french dispatch today nice <laughs> because i just had a short week i didn't watch anything right. on saturday i didn't watch anything on friday i didn't watch anything on sunday and those are like usually my three big film watching days because i have a lot more time on those three days now yeah. yeah i should have a bit more time this coming week so although i'm excited to say why the academy is wrong in Every literally every category next week, okay. with just one Ooh. movie. Well, I'll. I I'm excited. I hope hear. it's not the movie that I'm thinking you're going to say because I have a really interesting counter argument to that. Movie. Okay, I, I I can't wait to talk about that. So so Paul, yeah, you got a question for Zach? I do, but I'm having technical issues with something. Uh, Zach, what, what film are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching Gandhi, which you can stream on HBO Max or rent on Amazon, Google, Vudu, or YouTube. All right. Excellent. Uh, we would like to thank Chad from our sister podcast, Loving Up Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan J. Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, at Oscars Pod, and on Facebook at The Oscars Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review like all of us did with Chariots of Fire. That's a lie. Uh, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. 
Almighty algorithm. algorithm. For Jonathan, Zach, and our Atlanta Braves, who are up one to zero through seven innings, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day.